a black executive perspective. Look, man, they didn't get a chance to play chess. They had to play checkered. Let's talk about it, T. Openly and honestly. There was a lot of smart kids there. A black executive perspective. Now, my story's not unique. There's thousands of professionals of color who have experiences like mine. A black executive perspective. Whether you're aware of it or not, it's a topic that is often avoided. We'll discuss race and how it plays a factor and how we didn't even talk about this topic because we were afraid. A black executive perspective. America is facing a crisis on which, for once, Democrats and Republicans can agree low voter turnout in local elections. The result is that an extraordinarily unrepresentative set of residents determines how local governments distribute services and spend the almost two trillion that local governments control. With election day approaching, today we will discuss the importance of voting in your local election and how to utilize your voting power to affect change. Welcome to a Black Executive Perspective podcast a safe space where we discuss all matters related to race, especially race in corporate America. I'm your host, Tony Tidbit. Most people who are registered to vote participate in the presidential elections every four years, but congressional, state, and local elections take place every two years, and in some states, every single year. Most voters don't understand the roles and the responsibilities of each official who represents them at various levels of government. How do we educate ourselves as a community to have not just more political awareness, but more political power? And what steps should we take to become more engaged voters? Today, our nation is in the throes of political chaos and every day citizens are frustrated with continued repeals of basic human rights. Between book bans and abortion bans, the American voter has a critical role to play in ensuring responsible legislators and representatives are elected to represent them. Today, Makia Little, independent candidate for Virginia's 19th district delegate, will discuss the responsibilities of officials in different levels of government and the mechanics of the state and local election process and why it's important, it's important to be active in our state and local elections. Makia Little is a first-time candidate running to represent portions of Prince William and Fairfax counties in Virginia's House of Delegates. She is a mother, a former FBI and CIA officer, an equity advocate, and a 27-year resident of Woodbridge, Virginia. In 2019, Makia fought to reform how African-American history is taught in Virginia as the parent advocate of Virginia's Commission on African-American History and Education. As a second-generation FBI employee, Ms. Little had worked with congressional leaders to draft legislation that enhances law enforcement accountability and transparency. Furthermore, as a survivor of domestic violence, she authored House Bill 1351, known as Makia's Law, and advocated for the removal of a one-year waiting period that victims of domestic violence must wait to be granted a full divorce in Virginia. Makia Little is running to help unify her community so they can solve problems that impact their shared prosperity together. Makia, welcome to a Black 
Executive Perspective Podcast. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate the invitation and, and for you all creating this platform. This is amazing. Well, thank you. And obviously you have a lot going on and, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I didn't, you know, I had to make sure my background check was all squared away, you know, being an FBI, ex-FBI, CIA officer. I'm start looking around the bushes to see who comes out, right? If somebody said I did it, uh, maybe I did. All right. But all that being said, we're excited that you're here. And listen, at the end of the day, you know, our episode today is very important, right? All elections matter. The importance of state and local elections and you know one of the areas that we all struggle in as a as a country is that a lot of people don't vote okay and they 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 take for granted the 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 right that a lot of our forefathers and foremothers fought and died to be able to do and we're not taking advantage of that. And here's the kicker, and you're going to dive into this, is that the majority of people who do vote, vote for on the federal level. But they ignore their local elections, which really, at the end of the day, is the most important because that's driving issues and laws that they have to deal with on a daily basis. So we're so excited for you to be here so we can dive into this. I know you have a wealth of knowledge and you're definitely enthusiastic to share with us. But before we go into that, tell us a little bit uh, more about you. <laughs> well, I'm a mother of three public school students, and um, I consider myself just an everyday citizen um, until I, I, I saw an issue. I saw an issue with how um, African-American history was being taught in our public schools here in Virginia and um, had the most random chance encounter with the late Congressman Elijah Cummings. And at that point, I felt as though I was essentially powerless to to change it. And so what I essentially asked him was what could he do um, to help me fix it? And what he essentially told me back was nothing. You're going to fix it. <laughs> and and he he empowered me in a way that um, uh, makes me consider him my first political mentor. But what he and his staff taught me is that everyday citizens absolutely have a role to play and the change that we seek, we are not powerless to make that change. It's really taking the time to educate ourselves. And if we are passionate enough about an issue, which according to him, and I'm quoting, we who have benefited from an education, it's up to us to grab a hold of an issue and run with it. And he taught me how to run and I am still running. <laughs> We see that. <laughs> all right. I mean, you got your sneakers on now. So I love it. I love it. I love it. And just so we're all on the same page, Elijah Cummings. So just so everybody knows, who is Elijah Cummings? Elijah Cummings is the late congressman representing uh, the state of Maryland. Uh, his district covered portions of, uh, I want to say, Baltimore County and, and maybe a little bit of the city. Okay. Uh, but um, he he and John Lewis actually used to be mistaken for, for twins a lot because people would accidentally post pictures of, of John Lewis when, when Elijah Cummings passed and vice versa, um, since they actually passed fairly close together. Um, but they were both men of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated um, and um, had a lot of like values. Got it. Got it. Well, thanks for sharing. Les, anything you want to ask uh, 
Well, I have so much to say, but I, I think here, I, a lot of people who may not know, Phi Beta Sigma is one of the traditional Black fraternities that was established when we were going to school, when we were allowed to go into school. So there are uh, female Black sororities and uh, male Black fraternities, and one being Phi Beta Sigma, uh, Omega Psi Phi, Phi Beta Sigma, I mean, um, Alpha Phi Alpha. And uh, Kappa Alpha Psi, yeah, I, yes, there are like a few of them. So I definitely, you all should look up that history if we don't have a chance to talk about it here. But it's it's outstanding, and it still exists today. It's thriving today. Uh, very professional group of young men and women. We're very proud of all of them. Uh, I have a question to ask you. So, getting into the topic of of us being able to vote, uh, you know, locally. I'm concerned, you know, why is it that we don't vote locally? Why don't Black people traditionally vote locally? Why do they feel that it's not as necessary as the larger elections? Well, I think you also have to remember that our, not only is Black history under attack um, with regards to what's being taught in public schools, but uh, civics is as well. And a lot of the educational component to voting, why voting matters, what voting does, um, is intentionally being taken out and left out of schools. And so really what you have is a system of those in power teaching their own how to remain in power um, and those not in power losing that education. And I've even encountered uh, members of our community while campaigning who had no idea what a primary was. And I actually thanked them because they conceded, you know, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say, but what's a primary? And I said, thank you for asking. Um, thank you for, for being humble enough to ask. And I was able to explain and make the comparison to the playoffs. You know, usually before you have the finals, which is the election, <laughs> the general election in, no in most Novembers, uh, you have the playoffs. And so the playoffs is where you vote to decide who even gets to go to the finals. And he's Okay, got it, got it. I'm gonna vote for you. Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> you know, um, but unless and until we create space and take time to educate our community, uh, we'll miss these lessons, we'll miss these elections, and we'll miss ensuring that people with our priorities at heart are in those positions come the fall. Now, do you feel that this has changed since the 60s? Because in the 60s, my parents. You know, when, and first time I got my voter's card, I couldn't wait to vote primary or not. You know, I was out there voting. So what has actually changed with our generation today, as opposed to our generation in the 60s, who knew that this is what we fought for? You know, what changed? I believe it's voter apathy. Um, we continue to press issues that we feel are important to our community and we don't feel like we're being heard. And so people feel as though them voting isn't going to make a difference. And so they just sit it out. Um, them voting isn't going to translate to whatever, you know, issue, food on the table, more money in their paycheck. I mean, how long have we as a nation been discussing $15 an hour as a minimum wage? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you, if that's your issue, $15, at what point do you just check out and say, there's nothing I can do to change this? So why, why make time? Let me um, ask you this. Are you ready to have this conversation? Let's do it. Okay, let's talk about it. All right. So before we get into the, the whys, uh, why we're not and, and the reasons and all this type stuff, 
Right now, you're running uh, for the 19th Delegate District in Virginia. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, obviously, in every, you know, you know, in Virginia is the Commonwealth of Virginia, right? Where in Michigan is the state and stuff to that nature. So, what's the, what is a delegate district? Because in every area, it's a little bit different. It is. And some states refer to it as um, your uh, representative and some states they refer to it as a delegate. But either way you slice it, it's basically the state house, which is the house level version of, say, Congress. Right. And um, each um, house district is depending on the, the state. Every state has a different allotment of a number of congressional reps on the House side. Every state has two senators. And so obviously the Senate has a little bit more power, fewer members, two per state. So similarly, at the state level, you have a Senate and you have a, a House. And so in Virginia, they're called delegates and senators are called senators. Got it. But there are 40 in Virginia, 40 uh, Senate districts, and there are 100 uh, delegate districts. And so in the 19th district is based up of a, an area, a certain population that if you're elected, that you would represent those individuals. Is that correct? Yes. Approximately 87,000 citizens reside in each house district. Uh, the district that I'm running for straddles Fairfax and Prince William counties. So I have uh, Fort Belvoir, an area called Lorton, Mason Neck, and the northeastern area of Woodbridge, Virginia. So that's in the Prince William County. Okay. So you know I'm gonna ask you this question before you're gonna educate us on on why it's important to vote at the local level. Okay. So quick question I don't live in Virginia. <laughs> However, if I did live in Virginia, let's say I just moved there, right? And I'm in your district, why should I cast my vote for you? You should cast your vote for me because I am genuinely running to represent people, which is why I've uh, transitioned from the Democratic Party to the Independent Party. And one of the lessons that I learned in my race is the fact that um, there are, uh, I'll call it party lines, that one is expected to align themselves with. And even in the endorsement process, having conversations with different interest groups taught me that unless you are lockstep in agreement with each and every area of their platform, uh, they will not endorse you. And so for instance, there was one group and I'm a you know, women's advocate, I'm a survivor of domestic violence, but there was a conversation that I had to have with a member of a, a group that represented uh, reproductive rights who said, well, you know, there's this one question that you, you, you didn't agree with us on. And, you know, we just wanted to reread it to you to see if this is maybe a mistake or, and, and the question was essentially allowing minors access to uh, birth control and reproductive care without parents' consent. And I had to say, well, no, I, I said what I said. And, and I mean that. And they're like, well, you know, there's, there could be situations where a child is molested and they need access. I said, I, I, I get that there are situations, but then there's also remedies and, and, and ways, CPS, that, that those can be resolved. But just giving, let's just say, a 12-year-old unfettered access to birth control or like an abortion, I can't, I can't agree with that because as a parent... My one job is to protect my child. And by allowing my child to make that decision for themselves, you're, you're removing my parental right 
um, to ensure, like, what if that conflicts with her asthma medication? But you've, you've taken that right from me, so I can't agree with you on that. And they said, well, you know, if you don't agree with everything, we, we can't endorse you. And I said, okay, <laughs> so be it. But these are the types of conversations that happen that will allow or, or uh, lead a party to throw their weight or their support behind a particular candidate or not. And to me, these extremes are what has gotten our country to the place where we are now. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what, what I'm hearing is, is that you're running as an independent and you're not basically, you know, um, um, wiping a broad brush in terms of what a political affiliation believes you're going to, you know, bring your own ideas, your own thoughts based on your own morals in terms of, you know, representing that district. Is that, that's basically what we're hearing? Absolutely. Um, and I, I, even when I was full, you know, full gas, uh, pursuing the democratic party, uh, nomination, I would tell voters, you know, I, I identify with democratic values, but I'm an independent thinker. And I feel if more elected officials were independent thinkers, they would genuinely be able to put the concerns and, and, and needs of their people before those of the party. Awesome to hear. Well, thank you for sharing. And, um, you know, more importantly, we wish you nothing but mad success. Obviously it's going to be up to you, the voters in the 19th district. Um, but again, we want to thank you for coming on and more importantly, getting ready to, to educate all of us in terms of, you know, why the local elections are, especially elections like you're in, are just as important as presidential elections. I got this from the National Civic League, okay? And it talked about, which I, I was, I didn't even know this, to be honest. So I'm going to go into this, and I think this will be a good starting point for the conversation. Sounds like a plan? Sounds like a wonderful plan. Okay, so it says, while election turnout fluctuates based on competitiveness and voter interest, there's a persistent pattern of low participation in local elections. This low voter turnout has a profound effect on the daily life of communities, impacting everything from schools and housing to transportation, police, and parks. All right? It is critical that eligible voters appreciate the importance of their vote to their local communities. It says here, across the U.S., only 15 to 27 percent of eligible voters cast a ballot in their local election. Think about that. 15 to 20 percent in the local election. Influent voters have a 30 to 50 percent higher voter turnout in local elections than low income voters. Those 65 plus are seven times more likely to vote in the local election elections than voters age 18 to 34. The medium age of local election voters is in the 60s, with cities such as Miami, Las Vegas and Fort Worth as high as ages 66 to 68. White voters at a rate of 20 percent higher in local elections than non-white voters. OK, and here's the kicker. The overall impact is that local elected officials and policies are disproportionately influenced by older, affluent white voters. So there's a lot there, right? Only 15 to 27 percent of people, regardless of race, vote in local elections. The majority of people that vote in local elections are older individuals, who tend not to move around, so they're 
planted versus somebody younger who's still trying to build out their careers, their families, so they're moving around, blah, 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 okay? And then at the end of the day, the older voter who are vo- who's, who's the, the, um, who is the stalwart in terms of stand, you know, voting consistently, they're voting and, make, and their voices are being heard, but some of the things they may be voting on may be out of touch in terms of the community makeup, what's going on, the schooling, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't go to vote, you have no say now in that. So out of all those stats, I love to hear you laughing, (laughs) you smiling. Out of all those stats, I would love to hear from you. What do you think about that? Just expand on it and let's kick this off. I would say everything starts and ends with money. Now, if you are of a lower income, Let's just say you do decide to support a candidate. What is your level of access to that candidate? Because even if you attend, let's just say a fundraiser or an event, you got to have $50 at least coming into the door. And the amount of time that you're going to get with that candidate to make sure your issues are addressed is very little. So who has the most access to said candidate? People with money. Well, so I, I definitely get that point in terms of, you know, Obviously, it takes money. You got to have people that back it. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit to what you were saying earlier in terms of why you are now an independent. Um, you know, you, you got to follow a platform. Mm-hmm. I, my point is, why, the question is, how? why aren't more people at the local level voting, right? Because that's really the key here. Because I think if more people were aware or voted, uh, some of these things happen at the local level. Mm-hmm. Most of us think that it's the presidential election uh, a level, it's the, the U.S. Senate, it's the federal elections that matter the most. But a lot of the local laws that people have to deal with from school curriculum type stuff mm-hmm. to every different type of thing that could affect people in the community, most people are not showing up. So, so what's your thoughts to that? Well, you got to remember where the media is putting their time. The media is not putting a lot of time into covering local races. And in Virginia, intentionally, um, local races are run in off years. So like it's 2023, there's no presidential election on the ballot, but guess what is? Board of County Supervisors, school board, sheriff, state house, state senate. And all of these races, unless you know that that they're running right now, you're not you're not getting that from CNN. <laughs> you're not getting that from Fox news. So I, I definitely hear your point in terms of people not being aware. Cause you're right. Right. Uh, typically the, the bigger elections, they have more media coverage. They're every four or two years. They're on even number of years where the local elections, you know, for the most part are odd number of years. They're not as, as, as um, highly promoted. So I, I definitely get that point. In terms of when you were saying about the superintendents and so do, do, do us all a favor in terms of like people who run at the local level, what positions would those be? School board is probably the one that's getting the most attention right now because school board meetings have now become sensationalized. Okay. So school board, what else? Mm-hmm. You have clerk of the court is a very powerful position. And in Virginia, it's like an eight year term. And they are essentially the CEO of the, you know, the judiciary system in each in each county and can manage things such as how cases are filed, how they're assessed, um, because some you have to go in person 
to get a copy of a court. You got to pay 50 cents a sheet um, and, and decisions like that are, are things that they can make. Um, sheriff. I think that one pretty much goes without saying, but they are the representatives of the police department. Sometimes are appointed, sometimes those are elected. Um, same way with judges. In Virginia, judges are elected by the General Assembly. So you can't vote for a judge in Virginia. You vote for the representatives who vote on those judges. And so without engaging, holding those representatives accountable so that you know who to support or not support every two years, four years, eight years, some of these terms run. A lot of people just check out because it's too much to keep up with and they haven't been taught the importance at every level. So where can people become more aware, right? Yeah. So how can uh, the average citizen who doesn't know all these different positions and how they play out, but they, they tend to figure them out later on when they find out that the school board is now changing this curriculum or won't, uh, teach these di different things, right? But it's too late after that. So how do they become, how do we become more aware about, uh, you know, our local positions and more importantly, when our local elections and how to get involved? So I actually created a page on my website. If you go to makialittle.com slash educated voter and under national resources, I have a section called Virginia resources, but under national resources, there's a link to a website called vote 411. And vote 411 will allow you to enter your address and do what's called a ballot lookup. And you can look up to see what's on the ballot every single year. Sometimes it may even be a special election. Uh, say someone resigns or retires or passes away while they're in office, there'll be a special election. But you can go to vote411.org, pull up the ballot and read each position that's on the ballot. You can research each of those and see who's buying for those slots. Is this national or is this just in Virginia? This is national. national. This so is national. I'm in Milford, Connecticut. I can go to a vote 411 and then I can see everything that falls under Milford, blah, 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 right? On your particular ballot based on your voting precinct. That is great. We got to make sure we get that to our website so people can go there and be able to, to be reminded of how to do this. Les, did you have a question? I do have a question, and this is just about your decision to run independently. Traditionally, people don't look at an independent candidate as a serious candidate, and I find that their independent candidates are much more grassroots. You know, like a Mark Charles, like you, uh, people who are reading, who are running for specific causes. How do you, as an independent candidate, approach your constituency and ask them to to vote for you, and how often is it that can, that independent candidates do win races? Because I find that, I, honestly, even though I align with the Democrat, I've been Democrat all my life, I'm more of a, like you said, an independent thinker. And I'm more likely to choose an independent candidate. However, I know that that's a shot in the dark a lot of times when I go and I vote. So how would you tell people to, or encourage people to vote for your platform, even though they may think that you're not going to win. Absolutely. And I would say it has to start somewhere. I, I read an article today that came out and talked about the um, role that independent candidates might play in the 2024 presidential election. I feel as though the way for independents to develop, I, I, I would say an equal 
amount of, of power and influence is it has to start at the grassroots level. It has to start at the local level. And this is why you see a lot of people who oppose inclusive education now running for school board, because that's almost like your entry level <laughs> position, if you will. And incumbents are hard to beat. If we can start to develop and build an independent network of candidates who are committed to representing people, I believe that's how it how it has to start. The good thing about my district is that um, it is deep blue. However, uh, because of that, there's no Republican running. So what you have is a, a, a Democratic nominee running against an independent. If we can find areas of um, of influence where we can speak to the issues without necessarily being the spoiler. Um, I think that's how we can build a stronger voice for people um, that can counter those of parties. That's a great, I mean, that's definitely, oh, that's an interesting perspective because I feel that if we are going to have a better future, I think the independent route is the best way to go. I think that a lot of Republicans and Democrats are really caught up in the muck and mire of big business and making money, as you said. And it's unfortunate because you're not sure if you're getting the right thing because of who they're who they're who who basically pulls their chain, you know, in this situation. And I find, too, when you were talking about laws, laws don't have caveats. And that's the sad thing about it because they're never written with a caveat. It's either all or nothing. And it's very sad about our country because that's the way that it is. You know, the fact that you may have a certain belief, but you do support a choice, you know, but then there's this one thing, this, you know, 12 year old stigma or attachment here that's, that's stopping you from actually voting that way, which is how we all make decisions. Why is it now that when we write laws, that we can't make these decisions or have these little innuendos or caveats that are placed in those laws. It's very sad what we've become. But I think it's also incumbent upon leaders being transparent and explaining why they are voting or not voting the way that they are. And because of this polar partisan environment that we've gotten into, no one wants to be the bad guy. Exactly. No one wants to say, you know, a duck is a duck. And I feel like if you start off compromising, you're forever compromised. And so that's why I just refuse to, to bend to a partisan lean that is not in the best interest of people. And I believe you have Democrats who are more moderate, the same way you have Republicans who are more moderate. And that is actually a bigger voting block than either of the parties combined. So one of the things, and I remember I had, you know, friends of mine years ago said that the reason they didn't vote because their vote didn't count. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's a, a, a area that especially a lot of younger people feel. So can you speak mm -hmm. to that a little bit? They've had their hearts broken too many times um, by, by both parties. I believe that most people want to believe that one of these entities has their best interests at heart. And once they get to that point of neither care about me, that's when they fall into that voter apathy of my vote doesn't count, my voice doesn't matter. And they check out until legislators recognize that they are accountable to people 
and not the special interests that drop money in their campaign accounts. Apathy is only going to increase. I believe that, again, getting people into that primary phase and understanding, even though the parties essentially choose who the nominee is, if we can pull together, if we can all take individual responsibility for our actions, if we can all show up, the parties essentially thrive on voter undereducation because what they can do is do things like they did in my race and hand out sample ballots, hand out sample ballots with who they prefer. And because people believe that one party has their best interest, they vote party line. And then they hear their voice silenced. I think sometimes it's just that people don't understand how the voting process works. Okay. Especially from a federal standpoint where you got the electric electrical college. Okay. And they'll see a popular vote and then they'll see somebody else win because of the electric. So that that's lack of education in terms of how it works. Right. And then even at the local level where people I've seen, you know, places where I've lived at, where somebody would win, you know, a, a, a state seat, you know, a delegate uh, uh, in your in, in the Virginia, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and they would win fifteen hundred to, to twelve hundred. OK, so in other words, it's a city or town where there's one hundred thousand people and the person running would win. 1,500 people voted yes, <laughs> and 1,300 voted for somebody else. So that's 2,800 out of 100,000 people. And my question is, how much is it versus uh, empathy standpoint versus just lack of awareness and just lack of education in terms of how voting actually works? I think it's a little bit of both, um, honestly. And, and and the reason why I'll say that is because when I jumped into the race, I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, oh, I'm going to run as a Democrat. This is going to be great. I'm going to go all in to win. And little did I know, even though people kept saying, well, you know how the party is with insiders and party insiders, and are you considered a political insider? I'm like, no, I just resigned from the FBI. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> and it it took uh, some some traumatic experiences to realize that no matter what I did, no matter how much money I raised, I mean, I had Elder Barge fly in off tour and, and perform in support of my, of my campaign. Uh, no matter how many doors I knocked, no matter all the things that I did, the party was going to do what it wanted to do. And that was not let me win. <laughs> and so I lost my race by 49 votes. And one can say, well, you know, I, I, my vote didn't count because the candidate that I, you know, went all in for didn't win. But in that same margin, your, your vote definitely would have counted. <laughs> and so it's like you have people who have been jaded by the system and knowing that no matter what they do, the system will rise up against them. So why fight it? But then you have people like me who are like, oh, no, this is exactly why we need to fight, because it was just 49 votes. So you can look at that 49 votes and you can say my vote doesn't count. Or you can look at that 49 votes and say, oh, it definitely counts. What actually pushed me to continue running as an independent was reading Shirley Chisholm's The Good Fight. Yeah, yeah. And she wrote that book 50 years ago to the year, to the year. And the things that she observed were the exact same things that I observed. And I had to recognize and accept that we have 
given our political power to an entity that will not give us a seat at the table. And so at what point do we own our political power and build our own machine, as they say? They say you have to have a machine to win. Here's the key, though. You can't build a machine if you don't vote. And number two is, is this, and I think sometimes we're getting caught up in, sometimes people lose. Hey, if we get caught up that, oh, you know what, I didn't win, so my vote didn't count, then basically we're saying that you got to win for the vote to count. It doesn't work that way, right? And at the end of the day, if I'm running for class president, all right, and I didn't get it, I guess what? The people that voted and they didn't vote for me, then guess what? Then I need to find some more votes. <laughs> okay. But at the same time, like I said, Everyone wants gun common sense gun laws. That's about 70 something percent of American voters feel as though we need some kind of common sense gun reform. Where is that? So if you're saying my vote does count and the majority want this thing, but it's not happening, it's easy for people to say the system's broken. I'm not going to waste my effort. That's a difference versus they haven't brought it up to vote. Okay. So it's your hundred, because to your point, they know if they brought that to a vote, it would lose. It's important that, you know, people understand that their only chance of power, the power that they have is their ability to vote. Okay. And if we start getting caught up in semantics in terms of, well, you know, I voted, but then this happened and this happened. And so it didn't, uh, you know, person who I voted for didn't win. So my vote didn't count. It, we have to get away from that. We have to come to the poll, polls, do your research and your research. you vote. Okay. And if the person wins great, and if the person lost, then guess what? That's part of the process, but your vote did count. Right. But here's the thing. This is where it becomes more than just a vote. It can't just be a vote. It has to be a vote. It has to be education and it has to be accountability. You have to remain engaged. You can't just vote and set it and forget it. When you say accountability, go talk about that a little bit further. Right. So typically candidates run on a platform, right? Most people vote and then that's it. They don't keep in touch. They don't follow up. They don't check to see what legislation came up and how that candidate voted. They don't hold them accountable for doing the things that they said they were going to do. And so the only way your vote can really matter is if you stay engaged and see it through. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. I totally agree with that because the voting is just the first part to yes. your point, right? Yes. The engagement is really the part because now you're an active citizen, Yes. And you're holding whoever you voted for accountable. And we do not do a good job with that. It's almost like making a deposit into an investment account and never following back up with it and saying, oh, I'm just throwing money away. I'm wasting my money. You never followed up to see how much it made. You never came to see. Moved it, moved it out of there. Right. What did you do with that money? Um, a vote is not something you can set and forget and expect it to give you returns. We must expect the people that we, we elect to represent us to be accountable back to us and tell us what they did with our vote. And if they didn't do well, you vote them out. In terms of what has the greater effect, voting at the federal level or voting at the local level? Oh, it's obviously at the local level because 
If you want to say, okay, federal level can pass nationwide legislation, what's going on with Congress right now? They're, they don't have a speaker, they're so they're not doing, doing anything. anything. Right. And, and the way that the courts are operating, they're literally pushing legislation back to the state levels. And so if we aren't, again, catching that political power from the ground up, from school boards to county supervisors to um, state and, and Senate House reps, um, we're missing those auditions, if you will, for what's going to happen if and when they get to the federal level. So if they're not accountable to you down here at the state level on the school board um, in the courthouse, what makes you think promoting them? It's almost like in, in, the, in the executive environment, you know, when, when leaders aren't doing what they're supposed to do, instead of firing them, it's easier to just promote them. And that's essentially what happens in politics as well. Um, we just promote people to get them out of seats, but we're not really paying attention and following their voting record and where they fall in line with the issues and how well they engaged and are accountable to their constituents you smiling less go ahead because i have to tell you that having grown up all my life in church i i always knew when there was election because the candidate would show up at our church and you know he was rallying for the black vote getting everybody to to vote but that was just it they come in they do a fiery speech but nobody's out there registering voters nobody's out there saying hey this is my agenda this is what i you know this is what i would like to do for this this community Nobody does that. They come in, it's a one and done, and they come in. I used to really detest it. I, I feel like this, this agenda, as you said, you know, this candidate, first of all, I want to ask you, how does social media affect you running right now? Do you think that it's um, something that is effective or do you think that it's highly ineffective when it comes to getting people to see your platform? I believe it depends on the demographics of your district. The demographics of my district are mostly older, between late 40s and, and you know early 70s are the most reliable voters in the district. Our youth, unfortunately, don't vote, but this is also an area where students graduate from high school and they leave that voting block isn't stationary. And I think that's another reason why a lot of young people don't vote because they may be registered in one state, but go to college or uh, pursuing a career in another. And until they get settled somewhere, they're not even paying attention to the local laws. Um, with regards to social media, for me, it was really a, a great tool to build name recognition from someone who essentially had none. Uh, being a, in the intelligence community, I kept a very low profile, but the first school board appearance that I gave in 2019 when I recognized the issue with Black history, I re-released that recording and it ended up going viral. And so even people who didn't live in my district were contacting people in my district saying, hey, do you know who this is? And that allowed me to build a lot of name recognition and what but uh, summoned Elder Barge, especially when local media doesn't necessarily report on everything. And I believe once elected or once you develop a following, it's easy to keep people informed. So it's, it's a great tool, especially because nowadays everyone can have a platform, um, but it, it shouldn't be, it, it doesn't take the place of face-to-face -face conversations, knocking doors, 
and, and making phone calls. So Makia, let me ask you this. Tony Tidbit, I'm 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I live in Connecticut. I have not voted in a local. I voted for presidential elections. And then obviously when you vote for presidential elections, they have a down ballot. So you vote for mostly all the other federal stuff. Mm-hmm. However, I'm listening to this great podcast, A Black Executive Perspective. And I'm listening to you and you're saying, hey, the majority of things that affect you are at the local level. So how now? I've been very lazy. I haven't paid a lot of attention to it, but I heard you today. How now should I, once this this podcast is over, moving forward, how should I engage? How should I move forward that now I'm more of an active participant? I'm following along. I'm engaging. I'm holding people accountable. What would the steps be for me to to, to move forward? The conversations that I've had with people, to take a little bit of a sidebar, uh, one time I even just sat in a barbershop one Saturday uh, just to talk to the different constituents that were coming in and out. And to your point, ran across a few people who, you know, oh, I don't vote or I don't feel like that's important. Sometimes it really just takes a deep dive conversation uh, to understand what it's like to walk in somebody's shoes. And chances are, once you talk to people, you realize what has made them check out. Or maybe it's just that they feel like there are other important priorities in their life. And if and when you can tie those priorities to a particular seat, to a particular piece of legislation, um, that's what makes the connection for them to say, oh, okay, I do have control over this thing that I didn't think I did. Same way as me when I first got started. I didn't think I had control that I actually did. And that was the one thing that Elijah Cummings told me, never underestimate your power. And so first of all, don't underestimate your power. Check your voter registration status. Figure out which seats are up in your next upcoming election. Focus on those. And once you understand the election cycles of your state, of your county, then it's it's almost uh, gamified at that point where you recognize the role that you have to play and that you do have power. I love it. I love it. And then the final piece, how do I hold, you know, I voted for double A here, right? Yeah. He said he was mm-hmm. going to do blah, 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 and this and that. Um, so how do I hold him accountable? Uh, you figure out where his office is. <laughs> and most most elected officials, they have an official email uh, address. And a lot of them only take meetings with their constituents. So I would say make time, first of all, to introduce yourself and let them know what issues are important to you and what specifically gave them your vote. How did they earn your vote? Whatever ideas you have, that's the other thing I wish people knew. Whatever idea, legislators don't come up with legislation on their own. The legislation they come up with comes from constituent conversations. At least it should. And so meet with them. Let them know what issues are important to you. Offer to help build support for said legislative idea. Champion that legislation. Testify in support of that legislation and stand there and watch those legislators vote up or down on your legislation. That's how you become an engaged voter and learn that your vote really does matter. I love it. I love it. I feel more educated right off the bat right now. Les, final question. You know, a a lot of times, too, people don't realize that you get your ballots in the mail. Pay attention to those ballots. Look at the agendas there. Uh, Do research. 
you you don't have to actually physically go to a a ballot place or you know a voting spot. You can actually send in your va- your ballot, and that's still as valid as having to be present at a place. Absolutely, and in Virginia, you can actually sign up uh, to have those ballots automatically mailed to you every single election. Um, and either you mail it in or you can go on election day and just drop it off at your local precinct. Makia, final thoughts for the y'all. What do you want to leave with everybody today? I cannot get the words of Elijah Cummings out of my head. And so I will just reiterate that we who have benefited, apologies for Sir Phoenix. No worry about it. He, uh, the, he, he's, he's excited too. <laughs> <laughs> you want to vote, sir? <laughs> you want to hear it? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, we who have benefited from an education, and that's at any level. And, it, and it's also some of that education is this right here. We who have benefited, it's up to us to grab a hold of issues and run with them. And as they say, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And that's vote. I love it. I love it. And I, I am, you know, you talked about find a champion. I think last we found a champion here, huh? Makia, just awesome. Love your, your, your passion, your intellect, you know, how you're giving back to your community. Um, and we wish you nothing but mad success. You've given us a lot here today. I know I've learned a lot from this conversation. So I really want to thank you for coming and you know, like, hopefully we can have you back at, you know, uh, once you win. Right. And then we can talk about some of the things that you're going to do. <laughs> okay. And some of the changes you're going to make, which is great. So I hope you enjoyed this, this episode of a black executive perspective and the importance of uh, voting at the local level. Uh, Makia gave us a lot of great insights and she talked about, and this is one of the things I, I really appreciate. She gave actual steps that you can be able to take, right? Number one, register to vote. Come on now. I mean, that's not hard to do, right? Register to vote, right? Go to is a uh, vote 411. Am I correct? Go to vote 411. It's a national da- database tells you exactly when the elections in your local community it's going to happen when what what issues are on the ballot, the whole nine yards. Right. And then more importantly, ask, you know, hold them, grill the person that you want to find. You know, do your research. What do they stand for? Who? Why do they stand for it? Are, 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 do you believe in them? Do you believe that they, they do? They, do they just want your vote or do they actually going to do something? And then if you decide to vote for that person, hold them accountable. Right. Make sure that they are doing exactly what they say they're going to do. And if they're not, bring it up and then vote them out, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Because one of the things she said we didn't speak on is that very rarely, as a matter of fact, I don't even know, somebody that comes from nowhere and just jumps into a federal uh, 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 position that they're going to run for this office, it usually starts at the local level and they work them way, their way up. So, and nine times out of 10, you're going to know that individual if they're good, bad, or indifferent. So very, very important. I have two tidbits today because this is such an important topic. All right. Tony's tidbit. Thank you, Double A. Tony's tidbit, right? So the first tidbit is voting is not only your right, but also our power. When we vote, we take back our power to choose, to speak up, and to stand with those who support us 
and each other. And that's Luing Ung. The second tidbit is this. Your voices are being heard and you're proving to our ancestors that their struggles were not in vain. Now we have one more thing we need to do to walk in our true power. And that is to vote. And that's by Beyonce. So you have no excuses, none whatsoever. Every person, regardless of whatever the political platform that you follow or don't follow, you should register to vote. Your vote does matter. Everyone's vote matters. And like Makia said, 49 votes from her winning, that means there were 49 people who didn't vote who said, my vote didn't matter. And it does. So make sure election day is right around the corner. It's important that everyone, this is your opportunity to speak. This is your opportunity to engage as a citizen of the United States, wherever you are, whatever your local uh, 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 place is, this is your opportunity to vote, to, to voice your, your opinion. So please make sure you use it. And more importantly, I'm glad that you used this time to spend time with us at a Black Executive Perspective podcast. Please subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to a Black Executive Perspective podcast, go to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hit the subscribe, the follow button that allows us to be able to reach and share with more individuals. Follow us on all the social channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram on Tony Tidbit BEP. And leave us a rating and review. Tell us, did you like Makia? She was awesome. I thought so. We'd love to hear what you think. Did we ask the right questions? Did I forget something? Tony, tell me. Tony, you were horrible. Oh, we loved you. Whatever. We want to hear from you because this platform is not our platform. It is your platform. So for our distinguished guests, Makia Little, candidate for the 19th Delegate District in Virginia, from the amazing double A, Adrian Alvarado. From the legendary Les Fry, I'm Tony Tidbit. Come back and join us so we can talk about it, and we're out. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Tony Tidbit, a Black Executive Perspective, and for joining in today's conversation. With every story we share, every conversation we foster, and every barrier we address, we can ignite the sparks that bring about lasting change. And this carries us one step closer to transforming the face of corporate America. If today's episode resonated with you, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share this episode with your circle, and with your support, we can reach more people and tell more stories.